Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic episode 188. Today we're talking local development environments in WordPress and we've got the whole posse in effect today. We're rolling deep and we'll start with uh, someone who has been out with his illness and she's back now. Jackie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, I'm Jackie D'Elia. I am a web developer in Charlotte, North Carolina. I run a virtual consultancy, Jackie D'Elia Design, and I'm also the host of Rethink.fm podcast. Season two coming up? Yes. Next week. Oh, awesome. For sure. Looking forward. Uh, and then we have the our philosopher uh, of WordPress. Uh, we're very lucky to have him, our friend, Morton. Hello, I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor at LinkedIn Learning, and I have opinions about things. Definitely, definitely. Yes, you do. And then we have our our longtime uh, colleague, a friend of the show for since almost the very, very beginning, Sally Getch. Good morning. I'm Sally Getch. Uh, <clears throat> my business is WP Fangirl. I do WordPress consulting and. Uh, I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. Excellent. And then we got the man behind the curtain, Jonathan. Oh, hi there, folks. Um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a WordPress maintenance support company. Um, we're tr a trusted partner. And John, do remember, um, we need to plug Bigwig Web as well, John, because this broadcast will be going out on Saturday, which is still in April. Ah. Uh, very, very good. I am John Locke. Uh, definitely my business is Lockdown Design. Uh, and yes, hold on one second. Um, <laughs> hold on. I will cut this. Hold on. Sorry. You want me to do it? Let's just do it, folks. I can speak greatly about Liquid Web. Oh, go Web. ahead. Um, Liquid Web is a, a managed WordPress hosting company. Um, they've entered the market recently. They've been uh, gracious to be our sponsor over the past three months. And they're just a great company, folks. And they've introduced specific product to, into the WordPress world. Um, it's basically aimed at um, medium to higher hosting clientele that are looking for a trusted partner. They also got have recently built in a couple of features that are really interesting. One of them is with iTheme Sync, which I utilize myself, which is a great product, folks. It enables you to make sure all your plugins, themes, and the core on multiple sites, you can update them all in one interface. And also, they've recently produced uh, another little bit of technology that enables you to see the site 
after you've updated some plugins, which is also a really interesting feature. So if you're interested, we on go to the, this episode and you'll find a, to, a coupon code. I think it's WPTonic33. And that will give you, I think it's up to six months discount, isn't it, John? Or is it three months? No, uh, you are correct the first time. If you go to liquidweb.com slash WordPress, and if you enter the code WPTonic33, you will receive six months, uh, 33% off your uh, invoice. So that's definitely something to look at. That's not a bad deal, is it, John? No, pretty good, pretty good. So definitely check that out, liquidweb.com slash WordPress, coupon code WPTonic33. And how did I do, John? Did I do okay with that? I you forgot the mission critical bit. Oh, the mission yeah. critical. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. But they are mission critical. Yeah, that's true, Sally. We can splice this up in post. <laughs> I think it's fine. I think our audience understands that it's a good offer. On to the news stories, John. Definitely our first news story is coming from Human Made. Recently, they have addressed the problem of scale, like images, take up a lot of bandwidth when you're uh, trying to have a large scale site. You've got a lot of people looking at it. Speed is so critical right now, both in user experience, uh, SEO. You want people to look at your stuff and dealing with it on a large level is really difficult. So they actually forked the Proton uh, plugin that comes with Jetpack and they made a new uh, service called Tachyon uh, which basically leverages, uh, it uploads the images to Amazon S3 and basically serves, uh, it does different cropping things and serves different uh, images. Uh, thoughts on this article, Jackie? Well, first off, you know, hats off to them because I think it's really great that um, open source is contributing and improving how we serve up images. For, for most WordPress sites, you know, the images are not that big of an issue, but on larger sites, the scaling, uh, this becomes really important. And I, I've always felt that, uh, you know, WordPress, when you upload an image, it has to make all of these different versions. Um, and not only does that take up a lot of storage space, it just is a lot of mechanics of trying to move things around and serve up the, the size that you want. Um, and some images, you don't really need to have all of those variations on. And so from what I understand on here, what I really like is it crops and serves the images based on what you need at the time you need it. And that, that's amazing. I, I really like that. No, I definitely think it's going to be good. Uh, Morton, uh, thoughts on this? I, I know that uh, this is a little bit different than the update that went out in WordPress 4.3, 4.4, I believe, where they added responsive images. But, but the, the thoughts on this and how it will apply to enterprise-level sites? I think what's been said before is accurate that the, this would offload a bunch of uh, bandwidth to a third-party service. I have not had a chance to look carefully at exactly how this works. Um, I think this this whole idea of uh, managing um, 
image loading and image generation offsite will become more and more standardized. The question I have with all these kinds of services is um, how is this going to be paid for uh, on a longer term basis? Because if you start stashing your files elsewhere, you're just basically separating your uh, costs all over the place. Um, so I, I need to dig into it in more detail, but it's definitely something that um, I see more and more people offering. Now, one of the questions I have is this more technical question around how WordPress is currently handling images and how they will be handling images in the future. Because right now what happens when you add an image into WordPress is uh, a bunch of different image sizes are generated based on your theme, your WordPress settings, and whatever plugins you have installed. Um, I think we are moving towards a situation where uh, instead of doing that, WordPress will generate some sort of standard stack of image sizes based on uh, some sort of uh, agreed upon responsive breakpoints. Um, and then that will allow theme developers and plugin developers to specify uh, where the responsive breakpoints are in their layouts. And then WordPress will dynamically pull images off that. If that happens, um, these types of services would then have to change with that change. Um, and I'm just curious to see how that's going to play out. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I really like the idea that this has been pulled out of Jetpack and made into its own standalone service because then we're not just shoving content into WordPress.com. We're actually doing things elsewhere. So we'll see. My final note is uh, 10, 10 up is really building something big around WordPress. There's like three companies now. You have uh, Automatic, and then you have 10 up, and then you have Human Made that seem to be building empires. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting to watch. No, that's a good point. I, I think in specifically the three companies that you mentioned too, I think they serve like enterprise publishing um, more than, than they do anything else. And, and, and so I, I think it makes sense for them to be working uh, towards solutions for enterprise publishers. Uh, Sally, initial thoughts on uh, Tachyon. Uh, several things. Uh, one is I, I don't actually agree with, this is shocking, but I don't actually agree with Jackie that, that you know, images don't uh, matter on, on smaller sites because I think huge images and load times for images uh, are an issue on, on all sites. I just saw a link this morning to a, a place that will calculate how much it costs somebody on a, a mobile data plan to visit your website based on its load time. Uh, and so, I mean, these problems compound when you have thousands of visitors simultaneously on, on, uh, on a site, but I think there, there's an issue anyway, and I think this is uh, interesting. Um, I also saw something recently uh, from Delicious Brains is a, a plugin that where instead of um, specifying a bunch of custom image sizes in your theme because you want to use them as you know header images or featured images or whatever and then every single freaking image that you upload gets created in every single size or, or something like um, co-authors plus which then creates every image you upload anywhere in a whole bunch of different gravatar sizes thanks heaps guys uh, and <clears throat> You know, where what you would do is, is just you, you add some code where you need these particular image sizes, and then it just generates the sizes you need in the place that you need them. 
instead of all of these other images because you know the way WordPress handles image creation is a problem and responsive images are you know great in one way because you're serving a, a smaller image uh, on a on a smaller screen and less bandwidth and use and and etc. But then it means well, more images and how many image sizes are we specifying and how do they end up being cropped and how do we figure out you know how to do art direction around things that are look funny at the standard sort of crop from the center way that that WordPress handles them. So it's it's something that needs looking into and I'm glad that there are people looking into it and I definitely want to keep following it. I agree with Sally, actually. I, my point was is that I, on a smaller site, I don't think it's necessary that you have to offload your images somewhere else to, um, to serve them. I think there's got to be a better way within WordPress and, uh, to, to serve up images that are scaled properly for, for mobile. So I do agree with her. I think that one thing that you're pointing out, Sally, that is... Um, I've thought about, uh, you know, when I encounter it in the wild is, you know, some themes, some sites, they have all these different crop sizes and it's very just annoying and it just seems like it'd be problematic and just, um, you know, the larger the site and if you have a ton of crop sizes, it just yeah, ends up being just a hot mess uh, for, for, you know, storage. So I, I, if there's a way to uh, just select the crops that you want for the images that you want, I think that would be a huge step. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Jonathan, thoughts on Tachyon? Well, you know, just reply to what you just said, John, you know, um, we, you know, most clients don't even know what a pixel dimension is. So um, it's great. You know, you, you know, I know and you know, but how the average punter would know, God knows. Um, the other thing is I'm using a similar service, um, a plugin from Delicious Brain, um, and it does something really quite similar on the WP Tonic website, and it you set up a Amazon S3 account, and um, I think it was the first five gig of storage, and I think it's... Um, is free or very nominal. The only problem with it is um, was is uh, like we ha they had that outrage, didn't they, Amazon, um, when we had Brian Jackson on the show, one of our regular panelists, and they were saying the company that he works for, um, a lot of their key services were down because they they rely on Amazon and other cloud-based um, resources. So. Um, you do have to watch that because I, I don't think it affected the WP Tonic site because of, of all the caching. Um, but, you know, it can be on a large site. That could be an issue, couldn't it be, John? And finally, um, a bit what Malt, about what Malton said is that I just don't think it's those like 10 up and other companies are doing this. I, I think they're all looking at providing plug-in services. Now, this is why GoDaddy has been on a bit of a buying spree, with, you know, to buy um, companies and intellectual capital to um, make them more competitive in the WordPress hosting sector, isn't it, John? And definitely, I think that's something maybe um, it, that could be like its own episode um, at, at some point talking about how there is 
sort of a consolidation that is going on and, and what that could mean for the future of WordPress. Uh, but for our, I want to move on to yeah. our second news story. And this one is um, not a WordPress specific one. This one comes from the win without pitching site, Blair ends. If anyone knows who that is, uh, wrote a, uh, 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 an article that, some people might find it a little controversial and it's called is the design firm an endangered species and he put forth um a few ideas here uh that i think a lot of people would have a strong position on one way or the other one thing that he said is uh most clients don't follow design consultancies it's usually design consultancies following other people uh does he the implication is is that design is uh, becoming a little bit more commodified and just selling design by itself is not something that people are going to be able to do uh, across the board for much longer. He said that you're in either one of three businesses. You're either in marketing, communications, or product development. And web design is a tool that you use to further one of those goals. Uh, and he put forth a challenge for people to kind of decide which business they're really in and, and what they're using. Uh, then he goes on to say that if you're selling uh, design thinking or human-made design is, is kind of an extra feature of your design firm, that unless your name is IDEO, that you're really not uh, doing anything but doing free advertising for IDEO because they're the ones that, that kind of invented that. Uh, and then he also said uh, if you're a branding agency, uh, so is everyone else, and unless you're one of these global agencies, very select few, uh, you probably are not as distinct as you think you are. The one class of uh, consultancy that he put is kind of exempt are the rock star designers that people seek out uh, just based on their name alone. He said that it's a good goal to find, but not many people are going to be able to do that. So wanted to start with Jackie with thoughts on this article and, and thoughts on where uh, the design industry is going as a whole. Are you talking about just web design or are we talking about a lot more than just I don't design? think the article is talking about web just web design. I think they're talking about design, period. <clears throat> I think design has to have a purpose. I mean, there's a reason why you want to have a design created and it needs to fulfill some goal, right? So I, when I read the article, I got mostly is there, you need to be marketing your purpose well, you know, of why you're creating something and what the end result is going to be or what the goal is versus you're just designing, right? So uh, if I'm going to be hiring a company to design something, there's a reason why I'm asking them to design something because I want it to achieve a goal. And I think what they were saying in there is that you should be focusing on your own marketing about what the goal is and how you are helping your client find and deliver that goal. Yeah, definitely. I think selling just design for the sake of uh, this is going to look better than your competitors is is becoming a tougher and tougher sell. And and I I think um, embracing you know the the fact that web design is a tool to achieve a goal is something that that a lot of firms are going to have to be doing if they're not already doing that. Morton, thoughts on this uh, article? I haven't read the article, so I'm just going to make general thoughts. Yeah, spitball it, man. It's long. It's a crazy long. I can write long articles. I can't 
my dyslexia prevents me from reading them, so. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just the same. I, I, um, I just cannot read them. I just skip them. I'm just so, um, two observations. Um, first of all, uh, what I'm seeing in the bigger web design community is this really interesting trend where a lot of the big agencies that used to be huge independent agencies that were very influential are being eaten by corporations. Um, the reason is uh, these agencies are used to kind of outsource, outsource their work to whoever wanted to pay. The people who hired them realized, actually, we need design teams on our staff. So they just eat entire agencies and say, like, no, you're no longer working for anyone. You're just working for us. We're just going to hire a lot of you and give you a ton of money. And then you work in-house. And uh, one of the consequences of that, as an example, is um, anecdotally, I've been told... Um, an event apart, the big web design conference. Several years ago, the majority of attendees were uh, freelancers and people who were working in small agencies. Today, the majority of attendees are in-house designers. So the majority of people who go to an event apart, which is the biggest and most significant web design conference, are people who work for individual companies and just do design for those companies. This is uh, This tells me that Big companies and companies that really care about their online products have realized design matters enough that we should have staff that only does design and nothing else. Um, and I think part of what you're seeing in these types of articles, because there's a bunch of these articles that are floating around right now, is that the idea that you can be just a startup freelancer on your own and make a big business out of it is falling apart because that's not what's needed. You need this in-depth understanding of the product you're selling, how to communicate that to the clients. The design process is not Photoshop. It's all the research that's done before. It's all the user testing and interaction and all the other things. And then the actual design, graphic design part and the building things on the web part is this tiny, tiny little piece at the bottom of that process after you've done all the actual work. And a lot of people come into design thinking, oh, I'm just going to you know, design stuff. And then they realize, actually, you're doing 80% other things and then doing the design. And then they go, but design is dead. And they're not realizing what you were doing was never design. It was just art. You need to get with the program. This is an actual process. So, yes. I love what you said, and, and I think a lot of it comes down to and, – and the people that I know, like, that, that are purely visual designers are very much, like, they get their – kind of, like, all their ideas about stuff. And I'm not saying this is a knock, but this is a truth. They get a lot of their ideas. They'll go to, like, cssawards.com or Dribble or wherever and look at, like, whatever's, like, hot and trendy – and it's like, that's where they get their ideas from. And it's like kind of like a case of just copying stuff. And again, what you said, the, the, the Photoshop part is an artifact of the actual design. It's not the actual process. And I think that that is, it's really hard to be a generalist firm just trying to sell like, this is pretty design and without having an understanding of the client businesses or a vertical or something. And keep in mind that we work in a very strange bubble 
because a lot of WordPress business is centered around building things like uh, themes and plugins that by design are general. So they don't target a specific audience. They try to make some sort of umbrella for business theme or, you know, whatever theme or just a general theme. So that design approach, which is I'm going to design something people like, and that works for a lot of people is polar opposite to what real design work in an actual client situation is like. And I think if people come from the point of, oh, I'm just designing something that looks good that people will use. And then they try to go into a design industry. They'll be like, what is all this other work? And why am I not doing it? Or first, they'll just try to just be like, this looks nice. And then they'll publish it and it doesn't work. And then they realize there are all these other things that they never considered. And that's a communication problem from our community that we're not communicating properly to people that the money is in doing client work. Client work is 80% research, understanding human interaction, uh, things like uh, user experience design and other things. And then there's a little bit of design and development work at the end. Well said. And I also agree with what you're saying about um, people going in-house. That happened with Tian and Lax. That was like a big example. They went and joined Facebook. Uh, IBM, I know, has invested very quietly, but they've become like the leading design company in the world mm-hmm. by hiring just everybody that's um, good and investing a lot in their own internal processes. And even locally, I've seen local firms get swallowed up Uh, hired into product companies that they were already working for and just signing on as their internal team. Uh, Sally, thoughts on this article and, you know, where is the design uh, industry going? I don't know that I could possibly speak for the design industry, but in terms of the, uh, since I've never been part of it, uh, but in terms of the article, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, since, since I don't, I haven't worked with or, or, or seen or paid a lot of attention to these firms, but I have noticed that, you know, thing that you've talked about, about, you know, people who are sort of like, you know, they're posting stuff on Dribble and they're looking at what's trendy and they're, they're kind of like, you know, they think design is, is about a, sort of a look versus a function and a, and a, and a purpose. And, uh, you know, I've run into this issue just in, in building websites. Well, it's like, until you know what the purpose is, what the, what the goal is and what the content is, how can you design anything? You know, that, that if you, if you start with a designer and try to fork, try to <clears throat> try then to, to, to wedge all of your, your content and your, and your function and, and your business goal into it, you know, you're going to run into into problems and it's like yeah well designing a website is kind of like designing a car you know you need to you need to have all the the understanding of what this needs to do and how it needs to work and that's going to affect how it looks and there's a you know there is a place for people who do decoration and there is a place for people who do illustration and there is a point in the process for um, now that we know what it needs to do how do we make it look nice Uh, but uh, you know, there is not a, necessarily a, 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 a place for um, getting to be a bi- to be big and making a lot of money just doing that little specific uh, part of the job. And I, I think that's true in general, right? As a as a person who starts out with a you know 
<clears throat> specific skill, uh, you're not going to become a big business unless you understand all kinds of things about running a business and the whole process uh, of that, which may or may not be what you want to do. You may not want to take on that that stuff. You may be happier working for somebody else or just, you know, staying rel relatively small and, and focusing on your specialty. No, definitely. I and And something that you alluded to that I've seen people say on Twitter recently, most notably Jared Spool, uh, who runs a, a UX um, uh, workshop, uh, kind of continually, UIE, I believe, uh, is the fact that everybody that's involved with a project is part of the design, not just the visual designer, but the engineers, the UX researchers, the stakeholders, everybody is, even the project managers, all these people are contributing to the design of the finished site or the finished project. So that's definitely... Um, a shift in focus that, that I think is uh, part of the mat the maturing process of the of the web and how we do things. Jonathan, any quick thoughts on this? No, well, I have, but I think it's we should move on, John. Or, or this podcast will become war and peace, won't it? Uh, all right, cool. Well, we're going to hit our break, and then we're going to come back with our main topic, which is local development environments in WordPress. See you in just a few. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from our break, and we're talking our main topic, local development environments in WordPress. And Jackie, you know, let's start with a, a question. Why is local development important? What is it uh, and, and why should we be doing that as part of our workflow? I First reason I have is it's way more efficient to develop locally than it is to develop on a remote host. Uh, when I first started building websites on a remote host, I mean, that's how I worked on it. And then, of course, I stumbled on Morton's course that he had on Linda back then about, I think it was desktop server. And I was like, oh, let me go look at this. And I watched the course and downloaded desktop server and spun up a local development environment and soon realized, well, this is going to be way easier for me to build out a site and maintain it. Uh, the other things that I really like about that is, is that I can sync up my local development with a staging site or a production site for a client. And I can pull down, I use Migrate DB Pro, which I also learned about from watching a Linda course. I mean, I, hate to just keep saying that, but it's really true. I watched uh, his course on Migrate DB Pro and I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Now I can sync up the databases. I've got my local development. And so it makes it much more efficient to work with. It also allows me to keep a local copy sync between the two. Um, so that's how I work now. My challenges are is finding the right local development environment and you know the shifting sands of how things keep changing. Um, and how much time do I actually want to devote to that into managing my own 
set up and finding the right one and maintaining it versus just using it as a tool. No, I think that's well said. And, and um, for those who don't know, like, you know, local uh, development means you basically have like your home computer, your laptop or your desktop, and you, you're basically like hosting the site there that you're developing it there. Uh, Morton, I want to ask you, like, you know, for those who don't know, when it, when it comes to like a professional workflow, um, you have like local, you have staging, you have the, the production, like how, how is the optimized workflow uh, look like that? And, and as Jackie mentioned, like, you know, what's a good way to get started with local development? Good. Well, if, you, if you're getting started, the best way is to install the simplest possible tool to do this. All you really need is uh, WordPress running on your computer using whatever tool works best for you. That could be WAMP server on a Windows computer. It could be MAMP on a Mac. It could be desktop server. It could be a XAMPP install. It could be, I don't know. A, there's a bunch of these different tools. And it all depends on your proficiency level, how much control you want, and other factors. Um, in addition to that, you need some sort of code editor. But it doesn't really matter which code editor you choose. Again, it's a preference thing. There are code editors that do a fantastic job. There are IDEs that do a fantastic job. Uh, the key is just to have an environment on your computer that runs WordPress as if it was running online. So you can quickly mess around with the files, experiment with what's happening, publish content, unpublish content, edit your themes or your plugins in real time and see those edits take place uh, in your browser right away without having to upload or download files. That's the purpose. And getting started, it's important to realize you don't need to install Vagrant. You don't need to set up some crazy thing with a staging server and Git and all this other stuff. All you need is WordPress running on your computer and a code editor and a browser. What I often see is people get confused because when you go to WordCamps or uh, you read articles about this kind of stuff, people will constantly say, oh, you need a Vagrant stack and you need these you know, virtual environments and da 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 And it's profoundly confusing for people who are just getting started simply because this is, um, we're entering tank versus ant territory. It's way too much stuff to do something very simple. All you're really doing is the same thing you would be doing if you were making a HTML and CSS page. You're building it on your computer and then running it in the browser, and then eventually you'll migrate it online. The reason why you need one of these tools is because WordPress relies on a web server that has PHP support, and it relies on some sort of database in the background. Now, exactly what that looks like is relatively irrelevant. You just need those two components to get WordPress to run in the browser. So uh, when, when you then scale that up to a larger, more production type scenario, you get into a whole bunch of things. Like you can use um, uh, command line tools to run the process in the background for you. Uh, you can use uh, something like Vagrant to duplicate this server environment your application will eventually run on, on your computer, and to do things like sync your environment between other people. So if you're working on a team, all the people on the team can see the same stuff at the same time. You use Git to make sure that you have version control in your own code. You can then sync it up to GitHub or Bitbucket or whatever you want online or a private Git server to make sure that other people can access that content and that you can have it across multiple computers. So you can make the process really complicated. All that said, 
today, the only time I've ever used Vagrant for anything in WordPress was um, when I was brought into a project where the original project developer used Vagrant. I have never seen a use for it other than that scenario. Like, I would never recommend using anything as complicated as Vagrant for personal work on and development simply because it adds a complexity layer that's just ridiculously high for something you don't need. There are very few scenarios where you need to be able to duplicate the server environment exactly on your computer unless you're working in some sort of very specific scenario, which is highly unlikely. So uh, there are, these are great tools, but they are for enterprise development. And unless you're working on enterprise, it's just a waste of time and a waste of resources to set them up. So just use MAMP or WAMP or desktop server, whatever fits you the best. That's actually enough. I'm so happy that you're saying that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a pragmatist. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've you been. Can deal with the heat, you can deal with the heat, well then. <laughs> I, 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 I've been to I've been to board camps and sat in um, yeah. in uh, what are they called uh, the happiness bars and had people come up to me and said, "I'm starting WordPress development and I need someone to help me set up Vagrant." And then there's someone there going, "Okay, I'm going to set all this stuff up for you." And I'm like, "No, stop! Don't do that. This is never going to work for you." To understand the stuff, you need such an in-depth understanding of command line, and it's not necessary. All you need is a very simple setup. And to be honest, the two best applications, if you're just getting started and don't want any work here, is either desktop server, because it's just a single install that sets up everything for you, or Bitnami, because both these applications, you just dump them into your computer. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. They just work, and they set all the pieces for you and run WordPress automatically. So you don't need to know how things are pieced together. It just works. I've got to say the one that um, we had Dusty from Flywheel we, on Wednesday, we interviewed him and um, local, I've been utilizing local a bit and I've been quite impressed with it. I don't know if any of the other team. I'm using it right now too. And the only reason I am is because I just wanted to change my PHP version. I wanted to start developing on seven and desktop server still hasn't updated their PHP yet. So uh, local by flywheels free. So I downloaded it and set it up and um, I'm using it for current development right now, but I have a lot of client sites and things that are still in desktop server. And, um, you know, so I have both of them running it right now. But I do like uh, Local by Flywheel. It does have some, you know, it's a little buggy still. It has some issues. Uh, it doesn't do very well if you have a lot of installs all running at the same time. So I've learned that I need to um, stop most of them and then just start the ones that I currently want to work with. Um, I find it works a little better. The other thing you got to remember, too, is if you are using, um, like, you know, a workflow like Gulp or something, and you have a lot of node modules downloaded, if you try to clone that site and you have all those files in there, it sometimes does not finish. It bogs down and dies in the middle of the clone or trying to make a blueprint. So what you got to remember to do is go delete your node modules folder and then go and do it and it works. Uh, so it's, I'm working through those issues, but I do like it. It it's, uh, meets a need for me. That's interesting. Uh, I, I know what you're talking about with this. Uh, I mean, anytime you use uh, Node as a command line tool, you have the problem of infinite depth of depend dependencies 
that just goes on and on and on forever. And most computers just can't handle the stacking of folders when you try to copy things. Um, to get around that problem, I've actually developed this process that, according to someone uh, I talked to, is totally ridiculous, which is um, if I'm developing a theme and I have to use a bunch of command line tools to do something, like I have uh, Pulse CSS and Auto Prefixer and a you know, browser preview and just a pile of crap running at the same time, right? Um, what I do is I place the theme with its uh, dependencies and everything in outside the WordPress project. And then I use the command line to, to store the finalized, the, the actual distribution copy in the WordPress install on my computer and then publish that out. And then I use Git to sync the uh, development environment and I ignore the uh, uh, node modules folder. So that way, and you can do this with inside any of these applications, but it, it bypasses the problem of trying to duplicate the node modules. It only duplicates the finalized version of the theme that you are going to publish, which is the one WordPress should be seeing anyway. And because you're using the command line to constantly sync these files across, you'll never have a situation where uh, you make a change in your development environment, which happens to sit outside WordPress, uh, and then that change doesn't take effect in the WordPress site. And there are other ways of doing this, but they require a lot of ignore files to say, ignore this folder, ignore this folder, also ignore this folder, or maybe that subfolder within the folder. So by moving the actual development stack outside of the development application, you're avoiding the problem and just serving up. Because all you're running WordPress for is previewing in the browser. You're not running WordPress to test the code itself as you're writing it. It's just there to preview in the browser to make sure it works. Uh, and the only thing that should sit there is the, the compiled version of your theme or plugin or whatever you're working on. Just an idea. I've always told Git to ignore everything except specifically what I'm building. Well, if you're using uh, Node specifically, you want to include things like your um, uh, how's it called? Like the, the, the definition files that say what dependencies are in the project. Uh, if you're using any your JSON file. Yeah, yes, your I haven't, I haven't really used your settings files and everything else. Those should be synced because then when you migrate to a different computer, all you do is run um, uh, NPM init and then all that stuff comes down again. Uh, the trick is to know which files actually matter and which don't. And it's ch challenging because some, some um, command line tools require extra settings files or generate extra settings files that doesn't tell you about it. So you need to very carefully sit there and parse through what am I ignoring now and what am I keeping in uh, just to keep yeah. I, I haven't used Node very much yet. Um. That's okay. That's okay. It is okay. No, Sally, it is totally okay. Just yeah. don't think that you have to. It's just that I have to do it because I have to teach other people how to do it. Well, thank you a, for that. Thank that you, thank that's you. a compelling reason for uh, for doing anything, as I've discovered through the meetup. Oh, well. Sally, what are what are your preferences for local development? So. <clears throat> My first local development environment, because I, I think probably everyone here has gone through that experience of, oh, I'll just do the work on the live site, and then something blows up, and you're like ready to shoot yourself, and and that is, um, you know, definitely your, uh, you know, lessons in why you don't want to do your development on the live site, and then you discover that even if you've got like a dev server set up on your host somewhere, that this just slows things way down. 
Um, and uh, also, if you are um, going to be doing debugging, it tends to not work so well on your remote server, and you need to do it locally, I confess. I, I'm not very good at, at debugging, um, like, at all. But most of these things are, are meant to, you know, run in an environment that you control better than you did. So the, the first thing was my husband set up a, a Windows XP VM, with, uh, and then I installed XAMPP on it and uh, used that. And then for a while, we had these little Linux boxes in Stefan's office that we were using. Uh, and then, uh, you know, most recently, I, you know, Stefan was carrying on about how much he liked MAMP Pro. Well, th I've run into a problem trying to use the Windows version, which is that whenever I set permalinks, it simply blows up and doesn't work. Uh, so that was, you know, a waste of 60 bucks or whatever I paid for it. Uh, so for the next project, I used um, Bitnami, and that worked very well, except I haven't a clue how to, like, set up a, an additional site on yeah. Bitnami. So it was great for, for, for one thing. So I, I have, I recently installed Local by Flywheel, and it's working very well. Um, Stefan pointed out an issue with me is that because of the way it auto-generates your environment, it gives all the databases the same name. So you could really screw yourself up if you're working on more than one site at a time. I am not likely to have more than one thing running at a time because my brain doesn't handle that very well. Never mind my computer and, and you know, it's possible limitations. I want to be working on one thing at a time and then, you know, I'll, I'll shut down whichever one I'm not working on. And it's really easy to set up a new one and to say, yeah, we want this version of PHP. We want that version of MySQL. And, and so I can, you know, match the environment that I a client has and and then you know I can bring in you know either like the whole site um, with something maybe like uh, updraft plus pro or I can bring in the, the you know the the database with with migrate DB pro um, and I've been looking a little bit at, at mergebot uh, from delicious brains which is meant for like being able to actually it, basically it's like version control for for your content as, as opposed to just your uh, code and a lot of cases, you know, what I'm really working on is the, you know, the theme files or a, a custom plugin or or something where, you know, as long as I have enough content to to make sure that what I'm building works, I don't necessarily need to have the latest content and and that isn't necessarily what I'm going to sync. But in other cases, I mean, I just rebuilt the the East Bay WordPress site, and, you know, that site I had first built in 2009, and the crap that was in that database. Um, was like there were like 60 or 70 database tables with, you know, half of them were from plugins that were no longer installed. And so I, I had a huge amount of cleanup to do there and then I, a bunch of importing and, and, and testing. So I just ported the whole thing back and forth with, with uh, Updraft. And, you know, that works fine if there's nobody else who's like adding content to the site while you're doing your building. Uh, so I like uh, local so far. It's easy to use. Uh, and, um, you know, I was really happy when they came out with the Windows version. Uh, and so, yeah, there's there, there's some issues. But so far, I like it really well. It's it's pretty easy to set up and, and to use. And, yeah, things go much, you know, go much faster and, and are easier to, to test. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's not a, like, uh, one push, you know, migrate thing the way you can set up. I know you can set up with a desktop server, but it's still, 
you know, migrating sites was never something that I found was difficult. So there are lots of ways to do that. And if I'm using uh, Git on it, I might be preferred to use that anyway. Uh, it depends kind of on its destination and whether the, you know, whether the client's hosting company is something that will let you, you know, push files by Git or whether it's just, well, I'm tracking them in Git for myself. Uh, but, you know, I'm still using good old fashioned FTP to, uh, you know, to push the, the theme files up. No, definitely good. I mean, uh, a lot of votes for, I mean, desktop server, uh, definitely has been the incumbent as as far as like ease of use local by flywheel definitely i think that was a good acquisition for them uh it's free uh a, you know a great replacement for zamp or mamp which i, I think a lot of people uh, started on uh definitely myself uh jonathan uh any um preferences when it comes to local development environments well i think i think it really very reliant on Jonathan, your sound is off. Is it? My you're very you're very quiet. I think you need to chew your mic more. Oh right. Oh there yeah, I'm I'm quiet. Let's have a look. It hasn't changed really. Is that oh, is that a bit louder? Is that a bit louder? Yes? Uh, yes. Oh great. Um well um I think it really depends on who your work situation because um, I think if you're working with a group, because um, I know some of the panel they they work with groups, you know you're you're gonna it's gonna be like get um, version control. Does your local development can you um, push it up and not override somebody else's code that you're working because that. Um, even if it's a pre-production site, you know, it's not going to go down very well, isn't it? And then you've got people like you. Um, I've got a small team where maintenance and we do kind of updates on people's themes, small customizations. And then there's somebody like you, John, where you're doing, you're doing a little bit of that, but also you're doing a lot of custom work, aren't you, John? And Jackie's... A mixture of everything and so is Morton. So it really you've got to match your your local environment to your requirements. And I think Morton kind of pointed that out because I agree with Morton. You go to these word camps and I, I found it I I didn't agree with I saw some of what Morton has seen, um, where they're pushing a very advanced solution which has its role if if you're in a a group scenario on a kind of SaaS production product you know you you would need that type of setup but for other people it's totally over the top so um i used to use mamp and then i, I recently a little bit of tinkering and that and a little bit of client work i've been just using local um and it's been working for me but it really i think what people should get from this is it really depends on the work environment that you're dealing with doesn't it john i think it really does depend i mean if you're working in conjunction with other people uh, i know there's lots of solutions for mac i know for windows i've used source tree before to, to sync up with the team uh, if, if we're 
having everything like on GitHub uh, before. That doesn't happen like all the time, um, but but that's one solution for sure. Um, but definitely, I mean, there are solutions out there for local development. Uh, it's a good idea. I mean, uh, like I said, you can find Xamarin.Map. Um, if you want to pay for the service, you could definitely use desktop server. Uh, if you want to use uh, open source solutions, there's definitely uh, Bitnami and there's local by Flywheel are great solutions. Um, and a lot of those support FTP, SSH, Git. So, you know, there's definitely things out there. Uh, Jack. John, I wanted to bring up one other point yeah. that I've come across is um, be sure to back up your database when you are working locally. Always. Because uh, some of these are virtual. They don't, if, if something crashes in the middle, there's not a place you can go to grab your database as it was the last time you saved it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's something to definitely be aware of. <clears throat> I know in uh, local by flywheel, I, it sounds like it only saves it when you stop it or, or shut it off. I, I'm not really sure how it, how the mechanics of that work, but I've had a database get corrupted and I've had to actually just recreate the site again and pull the data down again. So what I do typically, and like Sally mentioned, is you know something like Updraft Plus or some backup program, have it installed on your local uh, WordPress install. And I just set mine up to automatically back up the database every four hours. And then if I've done a bunch of work that I know is critical that I don't want to have to go back and redo, I can just click a button and do a backup of the database. And then that'll be a file backup that I, if I needed to recreate it later, I could pull it in and do that versus um, trying to deal with a corrupted thing in a virtual box somewhere, which uh, to me is just very confusing and not possible to restore. No, you bring up an excellent point, and that's something um, that I advise as well. That's something I do like anytime I have any development environment. Um, I, at the very least, I back it up at the end of each you know session where I'm developing. Uh, each environment and and if you're doing anything new I mean backup often <laughs> backup early and definitely I use updraft plus as, as well and I just back it up to Dropbox and that way it's like okay there's a good save point it's like right. a video game I mean like it's important if you're built <laughs> if you're doing things in WordPress uh, for the database for building out a site that you're going to push somewhere else. I mean, if you're just working on code on your, on your local install and you've pulled all the data down from, uh, from an existing site or something, the backing up the database thing is not as critical because you're not really going in there and making any changes. But if you're building out a site for a client and you're entering content locally and you plan to push this out, be aware that you need to be, you need to have a, a reliable backup strategy and, and, uh, Backup often, especially after you've done a lot of work. No, I think that's really critical. And, and yeah, even with small sites, back up the database because entering all that stuff again is just a pain. Uh, and you don't want to be doing that. And, and if it's a large a site of any size, like anything above, you know, 50 or 100 pages or 200, 400, yeah, back that stuff up. Yeah, even yeah. 10. I mean, you don't want to yeah. be entering all that stuff again. But it's just something to be aware of. It's not that if uh, something goes wrong, you can just like restart your local by flywheel and everything's going to be there because it's not. So you'll be surprised. Uh, excellent point. Any closing thoughts uh, from the panel? No? 
Okay. Well, definitely. I think this has been an excellent episode. I think we've uh, given people a lot of options. Definitely check out Morton's course on desktop server. I think that's definitely something to check out. And, and you know, if you're looking for services, uh, Zamp, Map, desktop server, Bitnami, uh, local by Flywheel, definitely things to check out. And migrate DB Pro too, because without ah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. database is nothing. So you don't have any of that. Nope. Great, great, great point. Um, Jackie, how do we find you? Anything that you want to promote? Uh, Rethink starts next week. First episode for season two launches. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at jdalia um, or at my website, jackiedalia.com, or you can hop over to rethink.fm. Definitely go check out Rethink FM, uh, subscribe, and give that a positive review. Morton, how do we get a hold of you? Anything you want to promote? I'm on Twitter at Morton, because that's my name. And you can also find me on uh, LinkedIn, where I write angry articles about things right now. <laughs> I read them today. Uh, and um, if you're interested in the WordPress REST API, I recently launched the first part of a huge series of courses on the REST API on uh, LinkedIn Learning and Lido.com. So go check it out if you want to make sense of that. Excellent. And Sally, how do we get a hold of you? Anything that you uh, want to promote? You can find me at uh, wpfangirl.com or I'm at Sally Getch on Twitter and uh, pop over to uh, eastbaywp.com and, and see what's up with our meetup. Excellent. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you and anything you want to promote? Oh, it's really easy, folks. You can find me on Twitter Jonathan at Jonathan Denwood you can email me if you've got any questions feedback about the show I'd love to hear from you and that's at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com it'd be lovely to get some feedback from the from the audience and um, what subjects you would like us to discuss maybe you can leave some um, notes and that um, on the website and I just want to plug out um, what we're doing in May aren't we John where it's going to be CEO month isn't it we've got some great um, CEOs of some very large companies coming on the show um, we got the CEO of SiteGround um, coming on the show haven't we John yeah, definitely. We've got a, a stacked lineup. We've got Zach Rosen from Pantheon. Uh, we've got Tenko from uh, SiteGround. We've got Ollie Gardner from Unbounce coming on the show in May. Go to wp-tonic.com slash blab, uh, just the site name and then blab. And you can see the lineup of all the shows that we uh, currently have scheduled. Uh, if you want to find me, you can definitely find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can find me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore. Facebook page, same thing. It's just Lockdown Design. For the WP Tonic Posse in effect, you want to say peace out and get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.